Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use promo code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this one, we break down an eventful. I'm, go- I'm going to use the word eventful. We, we, we can maybe debate whether or not it was an entertaining series here with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Certainly from a, from a pulled back perspective here, Patrick, the Rockies won a game and then played two that were very, very close. And I'd love to be sitting here and, and starting the conversation by going, what a series by the Rocks. There are a couple pitches here or there away from sweeping the Dodgers in L.A. after walking off on them the last time they played them at Coors and, and, and what's going on there. and or, or even flip side, just saying, hey, really, really nice. You know, they, they played them well. Whatever it may be, they played them about as closely as you can and end up still losing the set. Uh, but boy, oh boy, was the strike zone a big part of every game in the set. Even Jack Corrigan at the end, I I flipped over to the radio at at the very end. uh, You know, I've I've got the TV on. Then usually as we're getting ready for our post game, I, I flip on the radio and Jack Corrigan said, this is one of the worst groups of umpires I've seen in terms of being consistent with the strike zone. And it was just like, it's really too bad that I felt like it really did kind of define the second and third games of the series, especially. And and not like it's what cost the Rockies. They're not going to win anything. It's not what it's about, just in every way. I saw a lot of people saying in game two, like, yeah, but at least it was consistent both ways. It's like, great, he messed it up for everybody. <laughs> like, he turned that game into nonsense. And it was just like, ah, so we'll get into the, the actual baseball in the field, Patrick. But that was... That was frustrating to watch. I know some people say, hey, it, that's entertaining because that's part of it, too. And now you're you're mad at that. But I don't know, man. It feels like the difference between, you know, real heel heat and, and go away heel heat. And, and that got that series got real close to, to I, I can't even watch this. It was infuriating. It's definitely something that's frustrating for for both sides when a strike zone has just vacillated so much between balls and strikes and. Uh, home plate umpire Jerry Meals being being very tight with his strike zone until that ninth inning, and Kenley Jensen Jansen got you know maybe a one call that went his way, and we saw John Gray you know kind of battling with those issues, and uh, including one of the home runs given up to Chris Taylor should have been an O two count. It turns out it was a one one count because of a, a pitch missed uh, down in the zone. Uh, that was definitely a, a common theme, but. It, it is a fair playing field for both teams, for better or worse. It's just one of those mm, frustrating a, uh, elements. Uh, I, I disagree. <laughs> and that's, yeah. And, and, and look, we can go on ump arbiter and, and, uh, and um, auditor, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Rockies uh, came out on top and they had more benefits, right? We, uh, thankfully, we have some, <laughs> wait, wait, some people serious? out there. Are you serious? Were you watching the same game that I just was? I wasn't even close. I was on baseball. I, I think so. All game. Well, when we talk about leverage. Six pitches inside the strike zone that weren't called for strikes. Um, the other Jay Gray had one. That's, that's yeah. No, no. There's no doubt about that. I think there were probably more calls uh, in that way. Um, but when the 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 Rockies were kind of uh, maybe the benefactor for a, a certain call, I'm not saying that is the case. 
but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me because again, not every strike that is called a ball is the same, right? Obviously bases loaded three, two right. count in the ninth inning. That one is, you know, is going to shift the outcome of a game entirely. Whereas the first pitch of the game is virtually meaningless. They're both one pitch that's called. That's all. That's my point. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the data on that. But again, it's, you know, we, we've seen it. There's other games in which, you know, the Rockies have, uh, you know, been at the benefit, other games not. This but it's frustrating, like you said. None it, of it, yeah. It's it, 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 This isn't even the point. The system can't be this bad. You shouldn't be able to miss calls. The thing about today is they weren't even close. It's one thing when you're missing pitches that are straddling the edge or it's a, a, a got a ton of movement on it. But when you're missing stuff that's the entire baseball, a full baseball inside the strike zone, like, and, and this is why, like I said last time, and you were saying, well, it's good that you can you know, take the emotion out of it because the, the Rockies aren't in it. It's like, no, you can take the veneer of the emotion out of it. The fact that people insist on making any conversation about the umpires being bad into a who did it or did it not benefit? Did it cost someone the game? Did it not cost the game? And that's not the point. This cannot continue. This is egregious. And you've got even people who have rules against talking about umpires and Jack Corrigan sitting there going like, I can't ignore what's right in front of my yeah. face. That's the point. That's the most important point is that For sure. we all have access to the data. We can see it. And we've got to sit there and, and look at and, and watch the guy change his zone throughout the game and go, oh, man. It just, like you said, it's not good for anybody, regardless no. of in any individual game. It's ultimately bad for everyone. It's a net negative for everybody involved, the Dodgers and the Rockies included. But, for example, let's, let's transition this to on-the-field stuff, right? I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you that game two, Kyle Freeland – Man, he was fantastic. Look at his line. Seven innings, only gives up one run at Dodger Stadium against the Dodgers. No walks. No walks. Love but when that you get an extra two or three inches of strike zone all night, and yes, it was consistent <laughs> both ways, but I can't I can't sit here and go, I feel super confident about the way I would have if Kyle Freeland had that same stat line, but with a good strike zone, with a fair strike zone, which was – you know, and, and, and again, it, some people say it's fair because it went both ways, but that's another way in which it's not. Maybe for that individual day's outcome, but ultimately I want a better read on the pitchers, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's a long-term, there are long-term consequences that are very difficult to measure as well. So it's just like, yeah, Kyle was good, but he got well, we get the te- I'm looking forward to when we do get the technology so that it, it can be better than the the human eye and you know, it's for, for better or worse. And, and by no means am I arguing for uh, inconsistent umpiring, but like you said, Oh, you just want to get a better feel of, you know, what could have happened, what should have happened. How well did a guy do if we had some more consistency, you know, frankly, if every ballpark had the exact same dimensions, we'd be able to do that too. And, and of course nobody wants that, but what we do want is, is better umpiring. Really. I think maybe the, the biggest element um, before we get back on the field, I think is just is accountability, right? So while we wait for technology, it doesn't have to be the same right. system that we have with umpires and say, all right, let's just keep getting closer and closer to the cliff until, you know, the, the robots come in and save us. <laughs> it's like, well, no, let's, why are we backing up into this cliff here? Why, why are we falling over the edge? 
um, and, and doing those things. And, and you're right. It's, it's look, it's, it's not fun. And you can even hear it when, when the Rockies get calls, you know, Jack Corgan's not yeah. celebrating. Uh, Drew Goodman's not like, there we go. Now there's, now it's getting fair. It's like, all right, well, you know, that was an interesting take on that. Um, (laughs) to say the least. Right. So the the euphemisms they have to use. Well, that was a strike apparently, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, Rockies get the benefit of the doubt there. They do that one a lot. Right. And it's just like, you don't feel, feel good about that. And it's funny because early in the week we were talking about all these, you know, the relationship between different sports and the similarities and Hey, what is, would this be like in basketball? The funny thing is in baseball, I, I, I believe they are not uh, calling balls and strikes based on what team is out there. Now they might do a, they might give a little makeup call. We saw that the other night, Ryan McMahon's at, I think that was Friday night. Right. And you go, right. okay, whatever, you know, it is right. what it is. But um, Kenley, you know, got, when, he, Kenley got a makeup call. He had a guy yeah. <laughs> struck out, didn't get strike three on an 0-2 pitch again, entire baseball in there. And then a batter but, later, pitches a little bit outside. Yeah. Carrying his mother, but that doesn't even it out. But that's, that's a single, myth. but that's a one, that's an isolated incident. It's not, right. okay, who's out there? Because I'm we would see a it. lot crazier things in the strike zone. Whereas in the NBA, we know you're like, Got it. Who, who's got the ball? Oh, okay. Um, you looked yeah. at him, dude. I saw the side eye. That's yeah. a foul. That's going to be a T now. You gave yeah. me side eye, and you're like, yeah. "Wow, this is where we're at." Throwing guys uh, out. So yeah, you know, we're, we're we'll get there, and uh, it, it's just frustrating. Look, more importantly, right for for us again, we get to debate about it, and, and we get to go on, we get to flush, but it does impact you know certain players, their careers, and and their stat lines, and like how good was I? And you know, thankfully. Again, it's one of the reasons why you still need scouts. You still need baseball people. You don't, you can't just right. rely on the number crunchers. I, they they have their value in our game, but you can't just have the number crunchers to look at at certain statistics and say, "Hey, this guy was good. This guy wasn't." Well, you don't know the whole story. And yeah, I think balls and strikes and safe and out and ah, this should have been overturned and it wasn't. That's a very small portion of a player's career, but it can be the difference of. Do we designate him for assignment? Do we pick this guy up off of waivers? Um, it's it still tells the story, and 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 I think baseball still needs to strive towards getting those things correct. So we we do know who deserves to be there, who has performed well, and who is not. Yeah. Perfect example today's draft king of the game for the Colorado Rockies starting pitcher John Gray goes five innings, gives up a couple of runs both on home runs to Chris Taylor uh, gets a four punch and you go, well, he threw over a hundred pitches in five innings. So again, back to your point, you might be going, is that really a great outing, but given full context of the situation and the fact that he had a number of innings extended that should not have been uh, (laughs) because of some very tight strike zone while he was out there is when the relievers came in, it got a little wider, but you, you know, he didn't give in. He didn't end up just saying, well, I'm going to pipe one right down the middle. The first home where he gave up to Chris Taylor, that slider was okay. Not great, but okay. Taylor's went down and got it. Second one, mistake pitch. Uh, it happens. But beyond that, you know, two pitches he'd like to have back, much like Kyle Freeland the day before with the one pitch he'd like to have back. That That's a pretty solid back-to-back couple of starts uh, for the Rockies on the road against a Dodgers team that is struggling but still, you, you never – like the history between these two teams, there's there's no reason to believe that the Rockies pitchers just should be able to go out in Dodger Stadium and more or less shut those guys down. So nice to see when they do. 
especially when the Dodgers are so competitive against the Giants. And yes, lost two heartbreaking games, lost three or four in that series. But I, I loved your point about again, how do you evaluate certain performances? You know, Gray did get up to that hundred pitch count. Walk three guys. You know that that contributes to it. But again, with Jerry Meal strike zone and all that stuff, that's that's a certain facet of it. And you go, oh man, you know, uh, does he have any kind of clauses in his contract that says, you know, hey, you'll get so many bonuses for quality starts. Five innings, two run run is not a quality start. Yeah. And so is that X amount of dollars? And again, we know John Gray's not thinking about that. He's not worrying about that. You know, he's going to get that little bonus check at the end of the year, whatever it is, what it is. Right. But for him but- going out there to grind, to not have the numbers, you know, kind of reflect his performance statistically here in this spot today, you know, is, is obviously disappointing. You got, uh, I do like the symmetry of the, you got two solo homers, Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor, yeah. Jay Gray against Jay Gray, Josiah yeah. Gray and, and yeah. John Gray and Sonny Gray even started, I think today too, for Cincinnati. So that was, you know, certainly something interested. You have a lot of California ball players and Fuentes and Connor Joe getting to play there in, in LA. Uh, there are a lot of, of interesting storylines, but uh, definitely strange to think that again, this team that we thought was the world beaters and people were, you know, whispering, oh, this could be the greatest team assembled. You know, they could be chasing the the Yankees 1998 record, which again, that's something so hard to to put on a, a team. It's it's not necessarily fair, but that's how high the expectations I they were. were. Comfortably a hundred win team. Well, for sure, right? That they would be closer to 110 than 100. You know that they and for the Rockies to be contending at this point in the year, even with still John Gray and still Michael Givens and still Trevor Story, three guys, you go well. Come on, they're going to be at the top of a lot of teams' wish list. Even still, with those guys, you go, come on, the, the the Rockies can't possibly hang. And sure, at the end of the day, they only won one of the three, but they're very competitive. You know, they it, that's definitely uh, you know a little feather in their cap, I think, to go in there and grind in this series. Start of the road trip, really positive. You know, now they go to well, they don't go to LA; they're already in LA. Well, they go to Anaheim, I should say. <laughs> they go across the highway. They, the yeah, highway. they go to the 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 Anaheim area of Los Angeles. Yeah. You don't have to you know, be confused with the Lodo area of Denver. Yes, all those <laughs> things are really much the same. But yeah, they'll, they'll go to play the Angels for three before uh, the Padres and, and whoever they got on their roster today. They, of course, acquired Pirate second baseman yeah, Adam yeah. Frazier. So right. they're, they're getting themselves loaded. But again, you know, I, I, I took the under on the two and a half. Yeah. They re- <laughs> they're, they're making it interesting. Uh, and even with Adam Frazier and whoever else, AJ Preller, uh, GM of the Padres, wants to add in San Diego, wouldn't wouldn't be totally crazy for the the, the Rockies to not only be competitive but maybe even to, to take two wins in San Diego. We'll we'll see what happens when we get there. We'll see. But again, I was I was predicting nothing but doom and gloom for this road trip. Our guy Mark here, who's back in the comments, uh, you know, had him winning two in LA. And I gotta say, yeah, he he was closer to the the truth than those of us that had him getting totally stomped by the Dodgers, because you were one play this way or the other in, in either of those games away. You know, the Rockies had the the base is loaded, one out, Fuentes at the plate, and he, and he swings at three that are out of the zone in this one, and, and that's a really tough, bad, bad at bat there. If he just stands there with the bat on his shoulders, that could become a big inning for the Rockies. That's that's your second win right there, or, you know, uh, they, they had their opportunities all right there to do it. Um, but I do want to 
break down Patrick and, I, and I'll go ahead and, and toast it. Break this it down. Break it down. Uh, I, I do. I'm, I'm still on Strava craft coffee hours, but I will toast my theoretical Breck brew and Breck Celsi on this day uh, to whatever the hell went on at the end of game one. We're about to dive uh, really deep into it here in just a second, because uh, it was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in my entire life. Not even just in sports in my life. And we're going to get to it in just a second. But if you, if you didn't see it or you, you want to relive it as we do this, now's the great time to crack open the Breck brew, the Breck Celsi, get yourself nice and sunk in. And get it down at the King Supers at your liquor store. You get a bigger one down at the DNVR bar. If you're a member, do become a member today by subscribing to the DNVR.com. You can get uh, access to the Discord channel. You get discounts on stuff all the time. And you get to come and, uh, well, I already said it, hang out with us in the Discord channel. But that's where, that's where we're always chatting baseball 24-7, planning out trades for the future, doing that stuff, talking movies and TV and video games and just anything else that you want to talk about having a good time. And again, you can get all that written content by subscribing to the dnvr.com. Do become a member of the family today. And like I said, this is one of those stories, man. This is one of those things that even if you watched it, you're going to want to, uh, you're going to want to special enjoy this. So might I also recommend, you know, do what you will, Breck Bruce alongside, but also a little, a little bit of solace meds, some solace meds, Put you in the right frame of mind for what we're about to get into here. Uh, Solace Meds, absolutely fantastic stuff. The place right down by the DMVR bar. They're so nice there. They're so cool. They've got everything that you can possibly imagine in there, too. And you get 20% off just for saying DNVR out loud. Uh, do If you go online, make sure you put DNVR20 in as your code. You'll get 20% off. And down, uh, it's at the Wheat Ridge one. You'll get the free Solace Bar or King Cone. They've got four locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one on Broadway, and again, that one on East Colfax. It's just blocks away from the DNVR bar. They've always got specials in there, anything and everything under the sun that you could need. So get your solace meds and get in for this because, um, Patrick, the uh, so first of all, let's, let's, let's go back to, to all the way back to game one and start at the beginning where the Rockies came back late starting uh, even earlier than that three uh, zero yeah. after one inning yeah and it seemed like it was going to be exactly as we sort of drew it up this idea that again chichi freeland gray was the recipe last weekend in coors field was yeah. okay but again a team getting a second crack uh in their home ballpark seeing the exact same pitchers that they just saw that yeah. familiarity is going to breed confidence and is is not going to be a good for the opposing team. And yet, even despite that 3-0 early lead, somehow, some way, even 4-1, after five innings, you go, well, yeah, this is what's to be expected. LA is supposed to be these world beaters. Uh, Three-game sweep, okay, yeah, that's that's probably how it should go. At least it's not 7-1 or 10-1. Right. It's 4-1. 4-1. All right. Nothing doing. All right. But this Rockies offense, this Rockies offense, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, let me I have to correct the record. This Rockies road offense in this place then scores two in the sixth, but loses some of that momentum by giving one back in the bottom. 
Obviously, the offense didn't do that, right? So even even there, you're like, you you did a thing, you like you made it a close game, but even then, then get one back. You're like, what's going on here? But then two again in the eighth to tie it up, and then slamming Sammy Hilliard. Wow. <laughs> who you know was striking out about forty percent of the time, and so he had to get sent down to AAA where he continued to strike out about 30% of the time and just has had a rough year in a lot of ways, but uh, he goes out there and just launches one into the night to give the Rockies the lead in the ninth inning in LA. And you're going, what are we even watching? Right? Like already this is now we're in really weird territory. (laughs) Like he's yeah. three late runs to take the lead in LA. When was the last time you wrote that down on the Twitter machine? Yeah, that alone, you're right. In and of itself, was was absolutely wild. I think that was the the first time at, at Dodger Stadium ever that uh, the Rockies had a pinch hit homer in the ninth mm-hmm. inning or or later. And so Sam Hilliard, a guy who coming out of the All Star break was not expected to be a part of this team, and you know, with the fact that, you know, in the, the last couple of years when they, they've changed the collective bargaining agreement uh, a little bit and, and altered it so that there's essentially going to be no September call-ups, you know, so we don't have those four and a half hour games because of right. substitutions and double switches, even with three batter minimum rule. Again, if you got more players on your bench, you might as well use them. Right. And if we don't have those added players on the bench, we might not see the best players in triple a so sam hilliard might be hitting the cover off the ball when he does make contact as you said still striking out more than he should and you go well uh, is fine blackman's fine daz is doing great hampson's going in there there's, there's just no room right. let him keep playing let him, let him keep doing his thing so a guy that you just don't even expect to be on the roster he's coming out of the break because of the the covid scare he's only Absolutely. in this exactly. position <laughs> it's like yeah it's why then, you stay ready. It's right. why you stay ready. Yeah. So, okay, Hilliard hits the ninth inning home run, but still everybody knows it's the Rockies' bullpen. It's the Rockies' <laughs> bullpen, and, and Daniel Bard's had such a tough year. And he goes out there and immediately and – and the, I don't – look, man, it's all of our jobs. We, look, we, do, we do get paid to analyze baseball and explain it to you, and we do our absolute very best. <laughs> But there are things in life like Scott Oberg or Scott Oberg (laughs) brain went into a different, he's done it before he he did it in a season, but like Daniel Bard going out there. And I mean, he couldn't hit his spot within a foot. He, he he had two options way out of the zone so that uh, Elias Diaz is doing like gymnastics behind the plate to get it or piping it right down the middle. The, for the first four batters he faced, that's all he could do. And he, he got way behind in counts and then piped a couple for a couple of singles. And then walked a batter. Wild, There's a wild pitch in there. Wild pitch before the walk, yeah. Getting into full counts, like just, it's right. Just, Can't find it. Walks home Justin Turner. Walks High ball Turner. game. And there's no outs. No, no outs right now in the ninth. He's faced four guys. He hasn't gotten any of them out. He's thrown maybe six total strikes. And then he strikes out the side. 
And then all of a sudden he started throwing shit. And I'm just like on 11 pitches too. I think it was 11 11 pitches. pitches. I don't know. Can you explain that to me? (laughs) No. Well, I I think you almost did in saying like, look, you just got to throw it right down the middle. So, okay, fine. Let, let them beat you. Don't beat yourself. So, you know what? Just try to throw it right past them. And I I think that was ultimately what he did. He said, Hey, what what could be worse, right? At least let's end this thing a little bit quicker. Boom. Yeah. And, and what do you know? Run to, to blow the game. So I can't. I just can't walk in another one. So yeah. I want to say you know at that point he got the job done and you go well, but he blew the save and they went to extras. Well, at that point he got the job done. He, he failed the first one, but then he he got the second one done there. And I, I don't know. Again. It's one of the reasons why I think the offers on him might be somewhat underwhelming, even with another year of control. Because sure. you know, if he comes, he could come to spring training again based on his age, and it just might it just might not be there at all. And so, yeah, you're you're on paper contractually, uh, you've got him for another year, but you know, what are you getting this year? And the, the inconsistency again, maybe a team can look at him and say, I, I I know what he did for those first four batters and why it was so off the mark and i know what he did for those three and how he got it together and so we could do that and there are people you know in, in the game that that have those beliefs and that that can pick up that stuff right and the, mm-hmm. the, the pitch tipping and, and, all, and all that right so it's right. it's right. very uh well within the, the the realm of possibilities so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that mm-hmm. but that was yeah just just a constant back and forth of emotions and it was it was a slow trickle too right with the 3-0 Right. 4-1, and you're like, all right, uh, oh, they're coming back a little bit, and they lose some ground. Two steps forward and one step back. And then all of a sudden, it was just boom, 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 boom. And then we go to the 10th, <laughs> and you, we go to the 10th. Because you're thinking <laughs> to yourself, any, any, rock, any well-conditioned or poorly conditioned and traumatized like a saw victim, Colorado Rockies. Properly conditioned is the word. Properly conditioned. Properly conditioned Colorado Rockies fan. Thought, well, okay, you guys might go on the podcast later on the Silver Linings podcast and heap all this praise on Dan, uh, Daniel Bard for blowing it, but then not blowing it, which is way harder to do than it sounds. I've been watching a lot of, uh, in the lead up to the Olympics, there's this extraordinary documentary uh, on Peacock. If you guys, it's for free. If you, you don't have to pay the, the premium for it called golden about the USA gymnastics team and, and the young women like going to be. And it's like, if you've got, if you're having your best day and you're on that balance beam and you rock and you do everything and it's awesome. Great. You know, what's really, really friggin' hard to do. Get back on that thing. If you fell on your first jump, now you've got the rest of your routine to do, and you've still got to compete. There's, you know, you're, you're trying to get to the Olympics. It's the, but if you fell, like there's no way to hide that you fell off the balance beam. And that's what happened to Daniel Bard, right? He just went out, fell straight on his face. And I'm thinking, get him out of there, buddy. Everyone was thinking, get him out of there, buddy. But who's going to come in and strike out the side and not give up any other runs? Nobody in that bullpen is going to do that. So you have to, you have to give Daniel Bard credit for doing that. But in any other circumstance, any properly conditioned rock is going to go way to de- delay the inevitable, Daniel. Great. Now we're going to play in extras in their ballpark and they'll walk this off in the 10th or the 11th or the 12th, but we're going to watch more inept Rockies offense, not be able to produce, even though they're spotting them a runner at second base. And then he fell. boom, 
and then boom. Boom. They, I, I, I can't believe how they were able to just go off. And again, you kind of understand. And I mean, look, the, look, the Dodgers, they, they grow them on trees. So it doesn't necessarily matter, yeah. you know, who, who's in there at that point. Right. You're like, well, it wasn't Kenley Jansen. Like, all right, still Jimmy Scherfey's having a decent year. And you go, if the Dodgers are believing in Jimmy Scherfey, then all right, Jimmy Scherfey might be a thing. Why not? Jake McGee was a thing last year and he's got a world series yeah. ring to show for it. So it might be a thing. Just grab these. When you can just grab Bruce Dark right or wrong, just be like, I don't know, I'll go pitch the seventh or whatever. And like, come on, dude, whatever, man. <laughs> this guy's just sitting on triple digits and stuff. And another D Nunez too. That, that was, uh, right. I was not keeping up on the career of Darian Nunez, but good, good on him. Like two D, D, D Nunez's and two Jay Gray's in the same series. So they're right. It's like the Dodgers are quite literally cloning these guys. Uh, you know, Yankees trade for him and sign them. Dodgers are cloning them and, and yeah. getting the best out of them. So yeah, again, any other team, you know, there, there's probably role reversal and you, and you say, oh, of course, you know, yeah. What do you expect out of Jimmy Scherfey? But for the Dodgers, you go, look, Jimmy Scherfey could be an all-star of the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Cause he's a Dodger and they, they just know how to work with these guys. So, and again, it doesn't matter the, the Rockies don't care. They're not going, yeah, it would have been better if it was somebody else. Look, they got the job done. Yeah, they and it was. Yeah, it it was just, you know, so exciting to to see that and to to go through the plays um, to start the tenth. Trevor Story, Hampson, of course, starts on second base. Trevor Story, boom, singles to left field. Hampson immediately scores, uh, and Story ends up advancing to second base. Even better, Charlie Blackman. Homers to right center field. I think he was in somewhat of a home run drought. And yeah, that was pretty quick. Nothing happened the rest of the inning, but that was all you needed. It's it's interesting. Just two, you know, a single and uh, a big bop of a home run gives you three runs. Yeah. It's like you hit the bonus baseball there once you get an extra yep. innings. Right. In fact, yep. there you go. That's that's it right there. That's the bonus ghost baseball. runner or the yeah. zombie runner or the Manfred man, whatever you want to call that, that runner out on second base. You hadn't heard that one before. Um, it's good. Uh, uh revved up like a deuce, uh, uh, Manfred bad, but you get a little bonus run there. Yeah. Uh, when you do it that way. And that, that was the, the final dagger you think you, you never know. And again, when you're playing totally. the Dodgers well, they, and they got to send out Lucas Gilbreth back out there to try to pick up this save now at Dodgers stadium. Like I said, this game was hilarious. Like that was so like, like I still thought, Nope, Dodgers about to put four runs on the board right now. Right it wouldn't now. have surprised. Yeah, it wouldn't it, have been shocking. And then, and then Gilbreth just nice, easy, quiet. They didn't even get their uh, California. Their their Manfred man. They didn't even cash in their Manfred man. They got nope. nothing. They went nope. out with a whole ass whimper, and it was just like, oh my! God. I could not believe. It. I seriously was laughing for like thirty straight minutes after that game, like. Yeah, Rocky's Twitter was Rocky's definitely Twitter was in some kind of way of like, wow, all right, look at that. You you can get a reward for staying inside on a Friday night to watch this right. team and in this season. And hey, there you go. You you had a nice little laugh. Yeah. It'll keep um, you warm in the wintertime for a little bit, you know? It yeah, right. That was uh that's one of those random games that I, I think I'll still remember a couple of years from now. We'll be like, remember that time? 
Daniel Bard basically walked in. He didn't walk the bases loaded and walk the runner in, but he basically did. He, you know, the two singles were gimme singles, and it was, <laughs> he had nothing. He had nothing. Mike Redman knows how to push all the right buttons. Got to give, got to give Mike Redman all the credit in the world there. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. As a manager, would Bob so, have won that game? That's yeah. right. I was yeah. saying, why buddy? Come but on. I mean, he just left him. Up. You're, you're. That's a. That's actually a great point. Uh, but how much actual time do you think there was between Justin Turner being walked in and Charlie Blackman's home run? Wow, that's really good. Uh, yeah, Bard was just firing there, pretty tight. I mean, well, that's the thing is, it's pro it would probably like, nah, fifteen minutes does seem like a lot, even if it was. 10 minutes? I think, ten, you go, I think under 10. I think it was 8 to 10 minutes. But 10 minutes sounds way longer, and even 8 minutes seems way longer than it feels in game time, right? Because, right. you know, you, you get two minutes just for the commercial. You you, right. know, you you cut that out. And then, again, with each pitch, you're waiting for the game to be over. Like, all right, we're going to get a base hit here. Yeah. Like, it's, it's about to happen. Like you said, 11 pitches, struck out the side. Quick AJ Pollock's going to single here with two outs, and it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it it, it goes down. It such a quick turnaround. It was absolutely wild, absolutely wild. I will be enjoying, by the way, with all that Breck Brew and Solace Meds. You know that means that the next stop is Illegal Pete's. That's that's where you go after that. You're feeling a little bit of munchy time. You got to get your Illegal Pete's. They got one again. It's, it's actually a nice little uh, row there on, on Colfax. You can just go down uh, to Illegal Pete's. Or if you're down in the Lodo area, they got one out there. Yeah, they got them all over the place. I assume you know where your closest Illegal Pete's is. Everyone should know. I don't know if they have like Breck Brew's got the, the Breck Brew tracker on their app. There really should be an illegal Pete's tracker. Just, you know, and if not, get on Google Maps, type it in. They're fantastic. They'll hook you up with a free draft beer or house mark with the purchase of an adult entree, by the way, if you just show them a ticket to an event you've gone to today. Any ticket uh, for any kind of event out there trying to revitalize that Denver community. They've also got happy hours from three to six every day. It's dollar off drafts, dollar off. Uh, house and coin style margs. They've got $20 party mount margaritas, great big things. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, they got great queso. They got, the, I'm, I'm a big burrito guy. Uh, stack them up, stack, stack up that burrito. Uh, if you go burrito bowl like our guy Spencer, either way, illegal. With people. the potatoes, with the potatoes. With the potatoes. You gotta, you gotta be on that. Um, all right, you you did mention uh, I was maybe gonna stay away from this a little bit, but since Will asked and you mentioned you know the Adam Frazier deal and and some of the trade stuff um, uh, heating up, and I saw a lot of people asking you know will this have been John Gray's last game with the Colorado Rockies? Uh, we, we asked that you know about Trevor's story after the, their last home game it was his last home game, and uh, and and I really really don't think so. I at this point I would be pretty shocked if they traded John Gray, just giving everything that I've heard publicly and, and privately from all kinds of people in and around the situation. It just, and looking at the Rockies track record, like what uh, have they, what do they do at the trade deadline? Well, I don't think that has anything There's, to do with it. That, no, that, that has nothing to do with it. Oh no, I'm saying that's further evidence. Cause I agree. We're on the same page. I think we both said at the beginning of the season, no, they're not going to trade Gray. You thought they would trade story. 
I didn't. We'll we'll kind of wait to see what happens. But we know we know they don't do too much at at the trade deadline. Well, that's you not know, these kind of seasons. That, that's that's not true. That was only true during the Jeff Breidich administration. He's not the GM anymore. They would do stuff like that, not all the time, every time. But during the Dan O'Dowd administration, they would absolutely make those kinds of selling trades. Probably the most obvious example of it being when they sold off from Matt Holiday in a very similar situation to get cargo and Houston street and all of that. But that was an off season deal though. That's what I mean. Is that the, I mean, I just mean at the trade deadline. No, I'm not trading. Wait, wait. We know Rockies make some good trades, but I mean, no, that, was, that was at the deadline. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd have to go back. It was a while. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure so, that the Matt holiday trade was in season, but anyway, so it's actually it, working it was on something. more of a Jeff yeah. Breidich thing than a, than a Rockies thing to like not make right. trades at the, trade deadline, except in the years where they were competing and he was trying to bring guys in and they were trying to buy or whatever. But again, I don't think the John Gray thing has anything to do with any of that. It has everything to do with the team's relationship with John Gray and their plan to build around the starting rotation that they currently have. And so I think for all of those reasons and the, the fact that Gray has mutual interest with the team is the other thing that sets it apart from stuff like where Trevor Story is at right now. Um, obviously where you know, Nolan was at even, oh, well, where Tula was at was a little bit, that was, that was a little bit different. I guess that that's kind of a unique situation because Tula really did not want to get traded. That was a unique, yeah. but then he also like, he knew he was probably going to get traded. So he wanted to get traded to certain places. That, that, that was, that was a, so yeah, that, I, I think that one's too hard to compare to, to any of these other ones, but the, the story and, and Gray situations are completely different from each other. And so when it comes to John Gray, yeah. I, I just don't think that there's there's a chance there. And after seeing, you know, the the return on this deal from Frazier, like this is unless the Pirates are just really and then they are. They're pretty terrible. Um, it's like it doesn't look like a great uh, uh, seller's market either. And there's been a lot of writing on this subject coming up to this trade deadline about how, you know, there's only a handful of teams that are buying it all. Everybody else is trying to sell, which means there's only so many people out there to, to make you offers anyway. And so I just think the, especially for John Gray, they're not going to get blown away by an offer for him. Uh, Cause I don't think there's anybody out there that really sees him as the, like the thing that puts them over the top. Right. So you're not going to get, anything super great for for john gray anyway so i think he's a couple of them i think that's the that's the element too is one of the top pitching uh one of the top players one of the top starting pitchers on the market john gray one of the top position players trevor story one of the top relievers and michael Givens. you go throw all three of them in a deal and that could be where you really get the most bang for your buck and i think that's that's where the you know I think the Rockies could can make the biggest you know improvements for the future. Uh, you're right. I I don't think they're going to move either of those two guys, and I, I really think that's a, a misstep. You know they have an opportunity to to improve the future of the franchise uh, and and still bring back John Gray. You can have your cake and eat it too. Um, also, be honest about that. that's that's. Well, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't. I don't know what that means. It it never happens. I, I, I don't said know what it that almost. Means. I said it almost never. What does happens. that mean? What what does that mean? I don't know. Where a guy gets traded off of a team and then comes right back to them in the offseason. like that's uh, there's a right, reason. Yeah, we said that. Right. We said that. Right. But it's not. Guys don't normally go right back to teams that just traded them away. That's. 
because sure and and if, again if you if you are communicating with, with john gray you you might even be able to get that done i i think one of the you know one of the things i've, I've been noticing one of the trends uh, around major league baseball uh are our teams uh, talking with players uh, ahead of you know the the potential you know <laughs> Uh, there are they are negotiations, uh, but potential uh, st work strife, uh, if you will, between the Players Association and uh, Major League Baseball yeah. is is trying to work out you know some extensions. We saw Lance Lynn come to a deal like that. Matt Barnes, uh, the Twins were working with Byron Buxton uh, to see if they could extend him, yeah. and Byron Buxton and his camp <laughs> said, like, "You know what? No, thank <laughs> you." So yeah. now they're going to turn around and and trade him. So which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, and right. I, I, hey, look, they they've got to do what they got to do uh, as far as you know protecting their organization and protecting the future of their franchise and, and building a contender. And I think the thing that you know I'm sure is probably disappointing for a lot of Rockies fans is because the Rockies are so you know shorthanded in the front office with all the departures that they've had and you know not having a, a definitive GM in, in place and and again more than more than anything just being so shorthanded they they kind of can't do that they can't say hey john can we really get this extension maybe done before the trade deadline and if not then we can trade you and, and again take our chances in signing in the off season so i mean that's that's unfortunate that they're not really going to have that opportunity but um you know again i i, I you look back and, and as you said the two deal was really its own thing um but that was the last time that the rockies so we know that that they made the postseason in, in, in 17 and in 18 and all the other years since then, you know, they haven't really been necessarily in the hunt. 2020 was very much a strange one. We could even throw that out, even though they were an under 500 team. Um, but just that, that too low deal in 2015 was the only one, the previous trade that uh, the Rockies had made. I mean, they had, of course they had the Jorge De La Rosa trade, uh, to the Orioles uh, for Eduardo Rodriguez in, in 2014, that unfortunately, um, you know, was nixed by Dick Monfort. Um, that obviously would have helped the the franchise, I think, in a major way, bringing a, a young starting pitcher like that into the organization. But the previous, the only other trade besides the Tulo one, which is almost its own thing, was July 27th, 2012. Marco Scudero to the San Francisco Giants. So, I understand that you know, a certain general manager was at the helm for much of that time, but a certain owner was also uh, at the helm at that time. So yeah, I, I think yeah, that's also part of the story uh, for the Rockies as well. That uh, You mentioned one of the ones that the owner actually did nix there, but it was a GM philosophy. Deal and Dan wasn't about not making moves and scared to move on from name players or any of that stuff. It was, but it didn't happen. So we it, we it, really it, have no It didn't idea. happen after that. Oh, okay. Because Jeff Breidich was, ha, had a whole philosophy on that. that for better, Do you for agree worse, with that? A lot of times uh, it was for Would worse. you have done things differently? I guess I should. Then, I should then what Jeff Breidich did? A lot yeah, like when, when, they were, when they were out of, of it, course. you know. And, okay. Of course. Then, yeah. Of course you you can improve the future of your franchise. Because that's the thing. In in um Besides the Scudero deal in 2012 and – 13 and 14 they could have been making trades and, and acquiring players that could have been very useful to the organization in 17 and 18 uh to possibly have deeper postseason runs not necessarily even players on the field like oh you would have gotten better players than you know para cargo etc but you could have had more pieces to deal with and maybe 
upgraded even more than just Lucroy. That Meshach, is always theoretically possible. Yeah, yes. it's just that's that's always theoretically possible. I really liked your analogy from a month or so ago about buying and selling houses. Like you're always going to sit there and go, "Oh, we could have gotten a little more value here. We could have gotten right. a little better deal yeah. here. We could have got." There's always that possibility. And yes, I said over and over again. I said at the time. Uh, that I would have done a lot of things differently. I don't believe that you, when your team is bad, you have to trade every good player off of it or every you don't have to in contract. And I don't believe that that automatically. I don't. I don't believe that you should. I don't believe that that makes you automatically better. I, I don't believe that that's been. I, you're right. It doesn't automatically. Yeah, and and I think there are a lot of ways that, that can go bad. That that can extend uh, periods of time when you're not relevant that can push your window further away i think there's a lot of negatives that can come out of just trading guys because they're on expiring deals and that's the only or because they're bad and, and again it's well, not that's not going to make you worse in the future because if a guy's a free agent and you trade just, him you're not the, making yourself worse yeah, in the and, unless you're <laughs> unless you're actually bringing a guy back the expiring deals are different but saying you've got to yeah. trade every single good player on your team because you're a bad team right now that's, that's and just that's not and you do, you do you think that's what i'm saying no, but that's okay. that's just no, no, not at all. But there are a lot of people that think, yeah, I mean that that's basically the argument for trading Herman Marquez, like right, and that's that's an off season deal. That's an off season deal. But again, let's not act like there aren't a lot of really well respected people out there acting like that. That's something that if the Rockies don't do, they're stupid. So, yeah, like I think they should. That, I think that is something they should do. But I don't know that anyone. But I don't know that that's necessary. Yes, be, and and again, we've, really? we've touched on it before. Uh, again, talking with with. Uh, so you do believe they should trade every good player just because they're bad right now? I mean, you believe they should trade every good player off of their roster? Every not right year? now. Not right now. Again, a trade for Herman Marquez is best done in in the off season. If if the Rockies aren't going to be contending in the next couple of years, which I don't think they are, uh, and I think you've even said it that next year they're not going to be contenders. 2023, they're probably not going to be contenders. You know, go back and listen to the John Boy show. He asked you that. And so again, if if and we're I talking said, about, I don't know about 23, I, I pushed yeah. back on that. I'm not I'm not selling out that whole future. I I think that's silly. I really do. But and then and also after the 2023 season, Tapia, Brian McMahon, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella. Those guys are all free agents. Assuming they're none gone. Of those contracts are, are renegotiated or extended before any time. In this the is a big off years. season. It's this like, is a big off season for, for that. Um, and there will be a new the GM and a whole new staff have, and a whole new analytics team. It's going to be a completely. So it's just you, like, have a you have a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith in ownership to be doing these things. Do with faith. And I, no, and I, I don't, and I don't no, necessarily. No, you do know what, that. Patrick? Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't say you have a lot of faith in ownership. Well, you Do said not. there's going to be a new GM, and I don't, I don't know that there's going to be. We don't know that, right? <laughs> They've we said definitely multiple don't know times that. they're going to go out and get a new GM. They've said this publicly. They've released the public statement. They're going to do a whole GM search. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't put me in that spot where I've got to be the Dick Monfort guy, where I'm the guy who has faith. Well, no, I'm not trying to do that. But I'm you are also taking them at their word. statements that he made. Okay. You are also like, taking them at their word. And I, I don't necessarily know that that's going to be true. I and mean, again, if Bill Schmidt does a great job at the same time, I wouldn't be, you know, Dick Monfort's going to go, look, my guy did it. I, I like what he did. He did this, that, and the other. He did some things that I asked him to do that, again, fans and the media may not necessarily, you know, think is best for the organization. But look, Dick might say, Bill, you did the job that I asked even a little bit better. 
you deserve you know to to keep the reins and so i i, I wouldn't necessarily begrudge dick for having that mentality at the same time i i don't think that that's the the, the best call and so i i don't necessarily trust that that's the case going forward and so um i also have to ask the question about like you said with extensions extensions should have been done already for those guys we've been saying it for two years once you get close to the free agency now now guys are they can smell free agency you know the turn of the calendar uh in in january 1st of next year ryan mcmahon tapia freeland senzatella can all go next year at the end of next year i can be a free agent it's already too late by that point i'm not saying those deals can't get done i'm not one of those definitive guys like that but i'm saying there's a lot of things that have been mismanaged as far as trying to keep there and be an open window be competitive and look if if it's not going to be there if it's not going to happen until they happen or don't um and this this raking the rockies over the coals for shit that has not happened yet and then acting like i have faith and what I'm am i raking them over the coals believe in the rockies because all i'm doing is saying let's wait and see if bill schmidt's a different human being than jeff breitich holy cow that should not be a controversial but you had a statement. you wrote an article last year saying that the the buck stops with Dick Monfort and I you're right. What else did I say? So you in that can't article? necessarily you shift that. that article without all the things I said about how Jeff Breidich was a major problem and that moving on from him. Oh yeah, we know that. The most important thing that the Rockies could do and that putting the team mm -hmm. in charge of something somebody else's charge was going to make a massive difference. So acting like just because I said, yeah, ultimately Dick Monfort has made a lot of bad decisions and those need to change. And I enumerated the specific things that needed to change, included hiring a team president and promising to step away from baseball operations, both of which he's done since then. I'm not going to turn around and be like, hey, I'm not giving you credit for doing exactly the stuff I said you should do. And I'm not going to turn around and be like, well, Bill Schmidt's going to run things exactly the same way Jeff Breidich did because ultimately he's just running things the way Dick Monfort wants him to because everyone who works under Dick Monfort is a Dick Monfort clone or a yes man or any of the any of that other crap because it's just not true. It's not even true for the last two GMs that they had. It has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with faith or belief in Dick Monfort or the Rockies as an organization or any of that crap. It has everything to do with not calling it until I see it. Simple. And from what you and so what you've it's seen, not faith. It's not optimism. It's not belief. Just gonna see what they do. And you believe they're gonna do good things? Then I don't know, but I don't automatically believe they're gonna do bad things. And, and you, is that what you think I think? Be the non is that how you think I yes, feel? Or you just or, said all this stuff that they're going to do. Or my analyzing messed up this stuff. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm analyzing. I'm taking evidence from what I've seen and stuff. making a prediction based off of it. That's so fine. what are your so you don't have any predictions? You're you're a pundit, you're on a podcast and you don't have any predictions. I've said this a hundred times on this podcast, <laughs> if I said it ever. I hate the prediction game. I think it's crap journalism. I think guessing, especially three, four on a podcast, years this isn't journalism into the future is yeah, it is. But it I I can't stand that guessing four, five, six years in. But other people do it, fine. I'm asked to do it, fine. It's my least favorite part of the job when people say, I What do you think that. the Rockies are gonna do? At the trade deadline, you know, you know, I'll I'll answer the question. I don't think they're going to trade John Gray. I still do think they're going to trade 
Trevor story. But if the, but the reason I don't like doing that is because then if they don't, then I got to come back and go, oh, my God, you guys. I said they were going to trade Trevor Story, and they didn't. So in addition to now everyone being pissed that they didn't do this thing they wanted them to do, I'm going to be like, well, am I against it because I said they weren't going to do it? Or am I just but, saying it's just – But are it, you it, saying it, that? Just, I, so mean nonsense. what you say and say what you mean. Are, you're saying they are going to trade Trevor Story? I or you think they, they should trade Trevor I Story? Don't, those are two I, different things. Yeah. I don't think – I don't have a strong position – I think they should trade Trevor Story. Should. They get an and that's the key word. That's, no, that's no, what we're talking about. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to that sentence. That's fine. But that's a key piece. Continue. Game. You can continue. But that's a huge piece. I we're think, just saying should. I think they should trade Trevor Story if they get an offer that is more valuable than the compensatory pick sure. they will get if they keep it. I don't know that they're going to get that offer. So what I'm not prepared to do, again, as a part of this conversation, is if they don't trade him, immediately assume they got a bunch of great offers for him and they decided not to do it because the Rockies don't know what they're doing. Try to find out a little bit. What was out and there? And that's, that's very what specific. Actually offered? That's but very that's specific. That's yeah. very specific. You saying, oh, we're assuming that they've gotten all these great offers. No, no, we don't have to assume that. And again, I hope that we can have a conversation of you and me, not talking about what Rocky's Twitter or anybody else is saying and what people do in national media. It's just you and me. So we, I would never assume, oh, the Rockies must have gotten a great offer and I don't trust that they did a great job. What we could say is because Rockies should trade a player that they're not going to keep around oh, is that they've missed the right offer is that they've mismanaged the situation. See, no, no. You don't I, think they would have gotten a better way. offer? You don't, don't think they would have gotten a better offer in offer, November, no. unless, December, unless January, February? Offer, I'm not prepared to do that. That's, that's again, you may not think it's journalism. I do. I care about that. Well, I here's a piece of evidence. Them. They The Rockies did say they weren't going to listen to offers on Trevor's story. For Had they week. been listening to <laughs> offers, for a week. It, was much, it was longer than a week. Before. It was longer than a week. No, they said they shut. The, they went dark for one week for the All Star week. They said they weren't going to trade him before the All Star game, but they didn't turn off offers. I know for a fact they were listening to offers before that week. They went dark for one week. I, I don't. I don't believe that for a second because they would have traded the guy that was going to be in the home run derby or a guy that they were worried about being an All Star for another team and deal with that whole deals. thing all over they again with Nolan Arenado. Yes. They were listening to deals before that. They were absolutely getting offers from people before the All-Star break. Yes. Now, they weren't good. <laughs> they weren't good offers. And that's why the Rockies didn't move on anything. And, again, like, no, unless you show me a deal that the Rockies should have done, I'm not going to say they definitely mismanaged the situation because they should have traded Trevor Story. I don't think that's fair analysis. I think I do. I didn't let you cut me off with that. They should trade Trevor Story. That is not my. I was going to cut you off. I was trying to point. Well, shit. I know, but I'm saying because because the if they don't still... trade him, you don't have to come back and say anything. You don't have to come back if and go. They don't oh trade well, Trevor Story. It's probably because they didn't get any offers that were more valuable than the compensatory pick that they're going to get just for keeping him. And that's fine. And that's perfectly fine. And that's yeah. And and that's and so, but you're going to come on and say no, they mismanaged it because they should have traded him. Yeah. Yeah, so right. so the Rockies, you know, Dick Monfort said, "Hey, this is a competitive team that well, you know I expect to do some things." It's just so he said, "This is so." Here's what we let me know if you think this is fair. 
Um, besides even getting into the details of the front office being shorthanded, which uh, they were not shorthanded at the beginning of the season, in the offseason. They weren't their normal full strength. You know, they did have a, a, well, a much smaller really. uh, analytics the department. analytics team left in the offseason. And that's, that's kind of crushing because that, that's ultimately where my point is. They looked at this team, they evaluated it and said, look, we think we maybe can make the postseason. No, because I, I think if really, they would have been able to no. evaluate it properly, no. don't you think if you were able no. to, uh, if you were a general manager or an owner of a team and you properly evaluated your team, don't you think you would have said, well, look, can we maybe leverage some of our free agent players in benefiting us when we are going to be relevant? Don't you think that's just a basic logical thought process that most other MLB teams use and operate under? It's some that some do, but there was a lot of really extreme generalities in there. Just like, like, no, I, I don't think any of that. I, I thought a lot of what you just said wasn't particularly fair. It's basic. It is. It is no. somewhat of basic protocol, right? So like, look, I, I know that we're not going to contend operate that way. And a lot of those teams are mediocre and, and bad as well. I've and are trying to get better. Right. That's the point. They're not. A the good Rockies team, are trying. And they're they're trying hanging out in their better. office all day playing Nintendo. The Rockies and that's a problem. Trying. Sorry, that's folks. A problem. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. That's the Rockies aren't even trying. This is the this is the worst narrative in pro sports. This idea that there are front offices of people out there, professional athletes, coaches, managers, GMs, own some owners. Actually, a lot of owners don't give a shit. They really are hands off owners. Dick Monfort isn't one of them. Dick Monfort goes to every single spring training game. He goes to every practice. He goes to every game. And he doesn't sit in the box. He sits in the front row. That might be a problem. Whether your hands on or hands off, managers, it's about the end result, right? The people who run the Colorado Rockies are just in there like they're working these 12 hour days. These guys are in there from sunup to sundown every day working on making this team better. And to just flippantly suggest that they don't care, that they're not trying. So I never said that. I I, I, I thought you were going somewhere and I was trying to go with you. I was trying to go with you on something. I, know, I don't. But, but, but this is what it comes down to. People really believe this and you're playing what, into this notion. What do I believe? I don't want to talk about people, Drew. I'm tired of talking about other people. Talk to me. You just said they're not talk trying to get better. You just said. No, I didn't. You went with something and I was trying to go to with better. you for the sake of the podcast. So go ahead and make an actual so why did point. The other teams, so why did the other teams go by the basic protocol of, again, I don't I will think explain the Rockies are outside you. of basic I'm protocol. I'm sorry you don't know this, but I will, I'm glad to explain it to you. If uh, you can properly evaluate your team, and having an Atlantic stop, analytics stop, team stop, can be stop, very stop, helpful. Stop, the, the, you stop. can go and look You're and not, say, look, Patrick, we really aren't going to contend this year. Stop so you know what? Let's take right some of now. these pieces Patrick, that we can't use. Instead of wasting those assets, we can Patrick. go ahead and make a trade so that when we are going to get good, when our farm system does get better. Now, tanking is a whole other thing. We know that. We know that that's something different. But you can make I'm not a child. Stop. You asked me a question. I answered you. <laughs> You're being remarkably condescending. Stop it. I don't know what you know sometimes. I really don't. I hope this is entertaining for people. I really don't know what you know. And I'm trying to have a conversation with you and me without any fluff of what other people are saying. I, I, I want to know what you know and what you think. And we should work because we're trying to inform some people too. We don't understand too. basic protocol. Just that's just the Rockies and I. What we don't understand is basic protocol. Not that seeing things a little bit. Do you think that that's basic though? Don't you think that's pretty common? The Pirates just just traded you know a, a guy. Great. Uh, the Cubs the traded Pirates away guys. The Cubs with their payroll. They were able to acknowledge something and, and make a move. 
Don't you think I mean, it's I'm, strange that Rockies, a team that has not had the same success uh, as the Cubs in recent years, that they didn't do the same thing? Don't, isn't that a little strange? No, Patrick, I've spent years on this show explaining why the Rockies do things differently. And I think this is a part of that. I've explained it many, many times. I understand that you want them to go with basic protocol. I've tried to explain why I think it's different. And, and you, you think they should? You do a good job of explaining why they do things. The biggest question is, should they be doing those things? Because yes. we know the lack of That's success they've had. The whole time. This idea that, they've been, that they haven't had success because they've done things differently is nonsense. They haven't done things differently enough. I just read in the paper of record, by the way, an extraordinarily biased panel from five national reporters who just have all the bones to pick with the Rockies. One thing they all agreed on at the very end, like, what should the Rockies do? And they were all like, everything outside the box, throw the box away. Everything has to be different. But then when the Rockies do things that are way different, these are the same groups of people who go, I just don't, I can't get why they're doing this stuff. They don't understand how you're supposed to play baseball. Yeah, they do. Don't be so condescending. Look, we understand, yeah, we understand do. like doing things differently, right? We understand course Field. We understand altitude. Like those are the things, right? Building from within as far as the pitching goes. That's that. But then there's other just general stuff like, having a, a, a GM that you really, you know, truly believe in, in place so that you don't lose a season. Again, if Bill Schmidt's your guy, Bill Schmidt's your guy. Okay, great. It's oh, having geez. an analytics department. You have opportunities every year to improve your organization. Interim GMs. Every it's year you have an opportunity. It, it's not the Rockies. It's the selling of it like the Rockies are the only team that, team that has no idea what they're doing. It's like other teams have interim GMs too. It's no, just, I, I know that. We, we know that. But I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get out of you, Drew, is again, this conversation about not just talking about what they do because that's what they do and that's what they do. What should they be doing? And, and I think that that's a lot of the conversation that gets missing, that that's missing that I, I, I would love to talk more there. about on the podcast. And I, yeah, some of the national media doesn't necessarily know what's going on They're They're doing their thing. That's fine. But what we do on this show, I want to inform people and not say, hey, this is what they're doing. Well, let's talk about why. Let's talk about what they should do and maybe what they could do. And that's not saying they have to. And if they don't, they fail. It's informing people and saying, hey, look what other teams are doing. And look at the success that they're having. Wouldn't it be cool if maybe your team did that? If they don't, they don't. That's fine. But I'm just trying to inform the fans a little bit better. That's all. All of that has to be put. That's the same thing I'm doing. I'm also informing the fans about the full context of it, that it doesn't all work exactly that way. And so, yes, all of that stuff is true. And we should talk about, I've always been talking about what the Rockies should do. I feel like I've made that pretty clear. That I've you did just say you don't like to say that. No, I don't like to predict the future. Like I said, I was, I'm fine giving conditionals what should they do. Like I said, the Rockies should trade Trevor Story if they get an offer that's more valuable. Than and I think that goes without saying. I think we know And that. I don't yeah. think that they're necessarily going to get an offer that's worth more. And so what I'm not going to assume, and again, this is what it's about for me. It's the assumptions. And it is setting them up to fail ahead of time, saying if they don't trade them, I'm going to assume they did get an offer that was worth more than the compensatory. I, I'm never going to do that. I don't do that. I've never no, done that. I've never come it, on here once and done that. 
but that's the way that's the only way in which you can say definitively that they made a mistake in not trading Trevor Story. They had an all-star shortstop for one year, and they all they got was a, a compensation pick when they could have gotten a lot more. That's it. That, that, How that's do you know what they could have gotten? What could they have gotten then? You tell me. What could they uh, have let's look at the package that the, the Cleveland that, that Cleveland Guardians uh, got for Francisco Lindor. And Andres you know for that uh, an equivalent offer was offered to the Rockies for Trevor Story. No, of course not. I'm talking That's about a similar ilk, shortstop of Trevor Story's ilk that when a team goes and, and, and manages it that way, again, the players that Cleveland ends up end up getting from the Mets ultimately may not turn out to be a pile of dog crap. But you know what? They said, look, we're not going to be resigning Frankie Lindor, so we might as well try to get something for him so that our organization can benefit in the future. One year of one player, particularly in a down year, is not worth as much compared to five players with 30 years of control going we all forward. Understand that's how teams operate. We, we all understand. And why did you ask me, why did you ask me what could they have done? Because that's not necessarily because teams also can't do things that are not possible. And if no one's offering you that, you can't just say, well, shit. why wouldn't have anybody offered anything from Trevor's story? Do you it find happens. fault in his play? It happens. I'm not going to until someone shows me. And do you I, think Trevor's story is not valuable enough to get a, a similar draft, a similar trade compensation to a Francisco Lindor last all? season that's a i don't really, understand that's a weird way to frame it i think it's entirely possible the rockies haven't gotten good offers in fact i know uh, a couple of kinds of offers they were getting again i don't know the the specific names of the players i know one of the again when it usually when i find it hard to believe that no one would want trevor story and, and offered fair compensation i don't think that's a fair that way to strange. frame it that no one wants trevor story i don't know that anyone wants trevor it story does sound like that's what market. you're suggesting and that's what i'm saying sounds strange that's i'm all. suggesting that there's a very small group of teams in the first place for whom it would make sense to add trevor story and at this particular moment in time they haven't been interested in really moving anything of value for him assuming again that while they'd like to have Trevor's story, especially the way he's been playing this season, they're not sure he puts them over the top. And so they're not going to move that kind of package for him. So, so one thing I want, I do want to address, and, and uh, it, it might get lost in all of this, is that I, I think it is, uh, it, it's kind of a bad play for the Rockies to hold on to Trevor's story for the remainder of the season. And this is another one of the reasons why they should trade Trevor's story because there's an assumption that they're going to get a compensation pick. And I think that could, could backfire. I don't know the future. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not even, even if I were Tony Clark, I can't predict the future, what's going to happen in the CBA, but here are some scenarios. really interesting to me though, because <laughs> the people who so badly want full tear down rebuild, like you have to tear it all down, trade every Marquez, all of them, get rid of it. Everybody, full teardown, build for five, six years from now. Mm. Are the same people that say, but you can't just hold on to Trevor's story because you don't know what the next CBA is going to mean for the compensatory pick. <laughs> like, you want to plan a five or six year strategy around a CBA that does not exist yet, where everything in the negotiations is going to be about adding parity to the game of baseball, doing things like expanding the playoffs, maybe even creating a salary floor and you think that teams should commit to this strategy that has might not even be viable three, four years from now. It shouldn't be. 
it should never have been viable in the first place. It's bad for the sport. So I just think it's interesting that, like, you're, you're right. It, it's true in both cases. Like, you don't know what the next CBA is going to look like. Like, they could get rid of those compensatory picks. They almost certainly won't. They're going to be adding more stuff like that and trying to help those smaller and mid-market teams compete. But it's just kind of wild to me because it's like so much of what makes tanking in baseball work is the the way the current CBA basically lets it be like the wild, wild west. And I think that's far more likely to change than the, the compensatory pick thing, which is just like an obvious thing that they added to try to help teams. And everyone seems to agree has been a good system. So you're right. Like they could change that, but there's been almost so, yeah, no. Sorry that. Yeah. Right. That, that could be, that could be totally changed. So we don't know necessarily what they're going to get. Um, and then another scenario that again, would you obviously hope this doesn't happen, but it can happen. You trade Trevor story today. It doesn't matter what Trevor story does the second half of the season. doesn't matter what he does in the off season. It doesn't matter what happens at the CBA. So you do get something you're guaranteed to get something. Whereas if you hold on to him, you may get nothing because what could happen is if Trevor story has a so, so year, he could be offered a qualifying offer. He could be given one of those. He accepts it. Okay. I get that's That is a good thing, right? Trevor story does come back for another year in a year that they're probably not going to contend, but nevertheless, that's, you know, it it makes you feel good. But now the Rockies are probably going to get the same exact thing they were going to get today in 2021, but they're going to get it in 2022 because if you because you can't offer a qual you can't give a qualifying offer to a player twice, so now they're not going to ever get a, a compensatory pick um, because of that scenario. If he's so so, or if he gets hurt I mean, and he wants to reclaim some of his sure. value, well, these are scenarios. But but again, right, to just right. say it has to be the you know the comp, you know compensatory pick. I mean, again, it'll still you can down. gamble in that because there's gamble in that. Or yeah. what if it matches it's- the compensatory pick? That still, that still might be okay. I, I, I still again, move, but again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fry them if it comes just shorter. They go, eh, no. And, and again, we'll never know. Go, we'll, we'll never know. But that's the but again, thing. It's but this the, idea but, that but if we'll you take know. care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. And this is one of the reasons why the Rockies have been in the position that they've had for the, you know, the duration of of their existence is they need to do a lot more little things better, like operating, you know, a little bit. A little bit more efficiency at at uh, at the trade deadline, and and, yeah. and and possibly getting some value for these guys on expiring deals that you can still bring back in free agency if you want. Um, and it just just you know strengthens up your farm system. Again, a lot of other teams do it; they have success in doing it. And I, a lot of other teams do it and fail in doing it. But uh, this was exactly what Jeff Breidich was talking about with his brain surgery comments, and exactly why I defended him from that day until his last day. Is a Colorado Rocky. Why do you hate the Denver media, Drew? The best I don't, it, why? I do think it was the best thing that that he said because this is exactly what the analogy was about. And it was funny because people didn't understand the analogy while then getting mad at him for thinking he was smarter than everybody. It, it wasn't about – he wasn't comparing himself to the smarts of a brain surgeon. What he was saying is that when a brain surgeon operates, they have access to a great wealth of information – about what can and can't go wrong, about what needs to be done. And a lot of that information isn't public. And so while it's perfectly reasonable to come out and say, well, that didn't go well, 
to come out and say, here's what they should have done. Mm, that is that is a, a very dicey, and, and I agree with his analogy. It's Again, we can give, we don't have time to get into a debate over the definition of Do you think the Rockies probably should have gotten more for Nolan Arenado? Journalism. Again, we'll, we'll never know the offers, but don't you think they, the Rockies should In have gotten now, more? Knowing what I know, I think the Rockies did about as well as they could have getting what they did at the time of the Nolan Arenado trade. Now knowing that he was wow. specifically forcing himself to one team, I think they did about as well as they could have in that trade. And actually, if you went and looked at it on uh, baseball trade values, it was a net gain for the Rockies. Because Nolan Arenado had negative trade value, which is something that the Denver media will not educate you on while you're out there making a meme out of the $50 million. What was the $50 million about? Nolan Arenado Saving had money. negative trade value. So did Adam Frazier, by the way. They just had to send $1.4 million along with him. That's not it, what it was about, Drew. So they could get better prospects. So they could get better prospects. He Same wasn't thing. making a lot of money. No, those are two different things, Drew. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm done with you doing that for me for the day. We're going to wrap up. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Make sure you're subscribing on the DNVR.com. Make sure you're following on social media at Patrick B. Lyons, at Drew Priestman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to go out there. Oh, I already said subscribe to the channel. You do get the discounts. You get the bigger beer down at the bar. You get to hang out in the Discord channel where the conversation never stops. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. We'll keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.